Boom! All night long. Yes. Let's freaking go. We are chatting about anything and everything LSU football under the sun tonight. Obviously, Garrett Nussmeyer making the massive decision to stay with LSU. We haven't really broke down what he said uh, in his most recent press conference. We're going to chat about that. We are also going to talk about a potential offensive tackle commitment that LSU might be able to land. Blake Ivy, a four-star offensive tackle from the state of Texas. I do, however, want to share that I've gotten a lot of questions about the upcoming scrimmage in Tiger Stadium this weekend. I think it should be a very interesting scrimmage. We may learn a few things about this team. I feel a little strange though that right now a lot of the players I thought that would be shining in camp are shining in camp the one guy that I really thought was going to separate himself was Denver Harris that's the only guy I think I have missed on at this point I think we need to start talking ourselves into Shelton Sampson being a pretty nice piece to play with LSU in year one. There has been a lot of steam with this wide receiver or that wide receiver breaking out this next season. But as of right now, of the people who have not really played all that much at LSU, and that is outside of Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr., you very well could see Shelton Sampson leap everyone. And that may or may not include Aaron Anderson in that group. That just shows you how bullish I am on Shelton Sampson being a big part of what LSU could do vertically next season. Okay. Now, I do want to share with you this answer uh, from Garrett Nussmeyer in this press conference setting. This is via LSU Sports. For the future. Um, you know, I think what I wanted to get out of this year is the same that I want to get out of any year. Um, you know, it's just continuing to get better, you know, never accepting of what I am, you know, and I'm always in competition with what I have the potential to be, you know, not with what I am now. And I think that's kind of the mindset that I've taken, um, you know. I think, like you said, coming back, I mean, I don't think it was that hard of a decision for me. Um, you know, this is where I want to be. You know, my roots are in this state. This is my home. And um, it means something to me to represent LSU and to represent this state and these fans. And also, you know, with my teammates and coaches, you know, I've learned to build relationships with the new staff. And, you know, I, I have a lot of love for them. And, you know, also with my teammates, you know, I, I wanted to finish what we started. So, um, Talking about your coaches, Sloan is coaching you hard. And I'm assuming that you like that. I mean, just kind of take me through the dynamic there of, yeah. of getting you better. Yeah, uh, you know, like I told them earlier, you know, the, one of the first conversations me and Coach Sloan had, uh, he told me that he believed that, you know, he was the best coach in the country to coach me. Um, and, you know, I think that that, that could be true, uh, you know, because, 
we're very similar. You know, I get very emotional at times, um, and you know, he's the same way. So uh, he's quick to get on to me, but you know, I'm, I'm love. I love it. You know, I'm used to it, and uh, you know, that's the way I want it to be. I don't want to be coached to be average. You know, I want to be coached to be the best that I can be. So uh, I have a lot of love for Coach Sloan and the way that he coaches me, and so uh, it's been fun. Garrett Nussmeyer right there speaking with the media. So I don't think people quite understand how big of a deal it is to have a great backup quarterback. What would life look like without Jaden Daniels? Now, of course, Jaden is going to be the guy for pretty much his entire season, barring him not being good, which is probably not going to be the case. He's probably going to be very good this next season. But what I would tell you is earlier today on my SEC channel, I went live and I was thinking about what the Arkansas Razorbacks would look like without KJ Jefferson. They would be the worst team in the SEC West if they didn't have them. You take a look at Mississippi State. Their backup quarterback right now is a transfer from Vanderbilt. Okay. I cannot state enough how big of a deal it is to have a backup quarterback of this caliber. But I actually wanted to hit you guys with something a little bit different tonight. What about Ricky Collins? How do you feel about him as a QB3? It was very interesting that Brian Kelly in his press conference earlier this week really brought up how important it is to have Ricky Collins get better quickly. And Brian Kelly understands the importance of having a solid QB3 in an absolute Worst, worst, worst case scenario. Now, LSU's never really been in the spot where they absolutely need uh, need to dig so deep to go down to QB3. But as of right now, uh, I love me some Ricky Collins. I do. I think he could be a big-time starter down the road. You could do a lot of the zone read stuff that you do with Jaden. Obviously, Ricky isn't that level of player. But do you really need a QB3? I believe that you do because next year – you're going to need a really good backup for Garrett Nussmeyer. So understand how important these backup reps are going to be over the next 48 hours because we do have a pretty big scrimmage coming up. And let's just say Jaden doesn't have a good scrimmage. Well, that would be out of the ordinary because he has been destroying everybody in practice. Garrett Nussmeyer has had some really good practices. Now let's see if Ricky Collins and the rest of that quarterback room, uh, and obviously it's just a three-scholarship quarterback room, let's see how they actually grow. So that's what I wanted to start off here tonight with. Okay? We say hi to Jay Red, one of our top PHLers, Joshua Mick. Tyler, good to see you. Uh, let's say hi to Rain. Yes, it's been a while, Rain. Good to see you. Uh, let's go to Arthur Coleman. And uh, he wants to talk how this team compares to 2019 LSU. Now, one thing that is kind of weird here, uh, my software is not telling me how many of you guys are in here. Uh, I, right now, it's telling me I have two people watching. It very well could be two. Just by process of elimination, I don't think that there's only two of you watching. So, uh, I don't uh, honestly. I, I like to have as many as possible. But the big thing for me 
is no matter how you listen, whether you listen to this down the road or if you're just listening to this via audio on podcast platforms, I want you to understand that I appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, good evening, coach. I am not a coach, but sure, I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> huh? 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 Uh, What's funny is obviously I know a lot of people in the coaching community uh, with all the film studies. I've had coaches reach out. Um, I've, I've known coaches for a while. So that's pretty cool. Sometimes I wish I was a coach. And a lot of the times I'm glad I'm not. Those guys and gals live really crazy lives. Can you compare how you feel about this team compared to how I felt about 2019 LSU? Okay, so. I really liked the 2019 team going into the season. I did. All the metrics really supported them being very, very, very good. Uh, they were very high on SP+. They're very high on game control. They're very good on average win game probability. Um, you know, I wasn't really into those analytics so much then. The one that I've always kind of known about was SP+. So I saw LSU look pretty good on that. and. Um, Overall, they were a really dominant team in 2018. They were a really good 10-win squad. We had a very good bowl game performance. And you take a look at the losses that 2019 LSU had the year before in 2018. Seven overtime game versus Texas A&M. That should have been a game LSU won. They got very unlucky in that one. Road game on the Swamp versus Florida. No big deal. You lose that game. That's a tough place to win. And obviously, since then, we have not lost to uh, to the Florida Gators. And uh, the loss to Alabama, they were the best team. So not really uh, – uh, when you look at who they lost to and you look at how they won some of their games, you could see that there was upside. And especially Jamar Chase's performance in the bowl game, when you look back at it, there's a lot that I really liked um, from that bowl game and how LSU was looking towards the end of the season. Now, I don't think any one of us predicted LSU ended up being one of the best teams, if not the best team of all time. I think that they are. Um, I, I truly, truly, truly do believe uh, this team is uh, going to do really special things this year. I, I think when I look at a lot of metrics, returning production, returning starters – if LSU's offense becomes more explosive, they should very well be a 10-2 team. Um, for me, that's why I have them. I have LSU as a 10-2 football team going into next year. And that obviously would be a very good season considering uh, the difficulties that come with LSU's schedule. Okay? So very good Super Chat to start things off here. Arthur, and once again, if we do get to a hundo and Super Chats, we got kind of close last night. We'll be giving away this Paul Skeens Team USA card. Why not? Big news in Paul Skeens' life lately. How about that? Huh? 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 And, of course, I'm talking about his minor league baseball performances only. Um, let's go to Golden Boot right here. Good to see you, Pooh Bear. Good to see you. Uh, D-Dub and, and, and the whole crew, Penny Murphy. Carter, what do you, I need to see to believe that this team can win it all? Well, actually, a lot of things, right? Because there are a lot of things that championship teams do that LSU didn't do last year. Now, this is going to come off as very critical, all right? And I don't care. 
We had Slade Roy on the channel earlier this week, and Brian Kelly is a lot like yours truly. I am not an end results-based person, okay? I'm very happy we won the SEC West. I don't think anyone here isn't happy that LSU won the SEC West. But the truth here, let's be real, it took a lot of smoke and mirrors. We have got to be more dominant. We have got to be more explosive on offense. But to me, the biggest thing, and we had a huge Twitter thread on this earlier tonight. Please go retweeted. And we're giving away, actually, for the Twitter folks out there, this Brian Kelly card. We'll announce the winner next week. Um, something Slade Roy that really stuck out uh, said to me or said to all of you last week is Brian Kelly is specifically making it a point that LSU needs to start faster. Okay. You dive into the numbers a little bit deeper. And I'll pull up the Twitter thread for you guys right now. Um, LSU, that very well could have been last year the slowest starting team we've had in the modern era. And that's what makes the resolve of Jaden Daniels, Brian Kelly, and that team so impressive. I'm saying this as a compliment, the fact that they were able to come back from so many big deficits early in the game, okay? So LSU last year was 91st in college football in first quarter points per game and 91st in first quarter defensive points per game allowed um, in the first quarter, okay? They were 57th and 63rd in first half and first half defense points per game. And then in the second half, they were top 20 in both points per game offensively and points per game defensively. So they have got to start faster. And here's a stat for you. Last year, LSU was 1-8-1 and one in first quarters, and they were 3-7 and seven in first halves versus Power 5 competition, excluding, of course, a Purdue game um, where Purdue did not play their starters. So like we said, I wanted tonight, and we, we started the live stream last night with this, these are a few more statistics regarding this. How can LSU start faster? I want you in the comment section right now to tell me how you think LSU needs to start faster. And remember, this is not just an offensive thing. This is a defensive thing as well. What do they need to do to get out to faster starts, right? Obviously, Slade Roy said the traits that Brian Kelly preaches to the team is very important, right? doing the right things to get prepared for games. So if I'm Brian Kelly, and obviously him, Slade Roy saying that, lets us know that BK has worked hard to get this team to start faster next year. What specifically can you do about that? Some of this is just random, right? Some of it is just noise. Like some teams are better in the second half. That just could be the makeup of your team. But to be that bad, remember, LSU only had two first-quarter touchdowns in their Power 5 games, excluding Purdue, right? Um, the John Emery touchdown versus Florida and the Kayshawn touchdown versus Georgia. I mean, we were down 17-3 to to Ole Miss. Now, remember, it is better to finish strong than start strong. But the championship teams, to Pooh Bear's question, does it all, okay? So – Let's go to Danny Girl. She says defer to the second half. Totally agree. 
I think there is an argument to be made to receive versus Florida State, but I am always a deferred to the second half. Okay? Explosive plays out of the gate. Take risk early in the game instead of having to play catch-up at the end of the game. Set the tone not to play the other team. I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. Okay? And it says improve the running game. All right? Let me get your best responses right now. I want to go to Marcus's here. Marcus, the winner of our Kayshawn autograph card. Run the no huddle two-minute offense. You might have a point. Look, LSU, they were amongst college football's best when it comes to running the two-minute drill at the end of games, right? Florida State at the end of the game, Alabama at the end of the game. Obviously, you take a look at the end of second halves as well. Mississippi State, they were really good at the end of the half. Florida, they were really good at the end of the half. Ole Miss, they were really good in particular in that entire second quarter and towards the end of that half, so on and so on and so on. Okay, you get the point by now. Uh, Tennessee, they were really good at the end of the second quarter as well. So, obviously, what do you need to do? Well, the first thing is maybe put together a more creative game script. So, the first 15 plays more often than not are scripted out by most offensive coordinators. Ask yourself, are you a little too static? Maybe a trick play, maybe more trick plays. I tweeted out a potential trick play earlier today that the Ravens ran with Lamar Jackson. Maybe some of those things are something you could do. Um, I'm not a big trick play guy, but in general, you saw LSU use some versus Purdue. Obviously, the Malik touchdown pass on the Philly special. Um, so maybe that is something you do. But the issue also is defensively. LSU had some slow starts defensively as well. So if that were to continue, maybe give the offense something that they haven't seen up to that point, right? One thing that's pretty legendary, and it's kind of behind the scenes, but uh, I spoke to someone with knowledge of 2019 LSU. You go back and look at the team that actually slowed 2019 LSU down. The only team that did was Auburn. And the reason why they did, well, they had the dudes up front. They also ran something that LSU had not seen all year. Okay. So maybe getting a little more exotic in that way could help you out on the defensive side of the football. There's so many different things, right? But honestly, it comes down to what Slade Roy said earlier. Be focused. Be ready to go right out the gates. Don't be sleepwalking. Look, uh, the first portions of the game should be your best. Okay. But I also just think positive regression is just going to come to this team in the first quarter of games anyway. And the second part of that would be, obviously, we just want the team to be better in the second half than the first anyway. So, uh, there you go. I don't agree with a two-minute offense. In 2019, we ran a two-minute offense all year, so I endorse that methodology. I don't think they necessarily ran a two-minute offense. It just depends on what you define as a two-minute offense. I, I translate that to be hurry up. Um, and obviously, you know, Tennessee is, is definitely of 
uh, of that ilk. Okay, we say hi to BT, say hi to Mick, LB88's in here. I, I read this as Brandon Bass at first. I was like, go Hornets. Go Don Brady. And also, you go to Arthur's really good point here. It's all three phases. In particular, special teams were a really bad special teams unit in the first half of games. Obviously, the Tennessee game. Obviously, the Florida game. Obviously, the Georgia game. We were not really buttoned up on special teams early. Um, so we, we've we've got to be better in that. Now, I want to get into you, you know the next topic here at the at the at the top. Is Brian Kelly about to snag, him, uh, snag himself another four star? Okay, this is someone that really drew my eye, and this is Blake Ivy. Okay, so Blake has got a big decision to make within the next seventy-two hours. Okay, he will be making his choice on where he is going to go. Now, what I would say about Blake Ivy, all right, he is announcing in two days. All right. He is an offensive tackle prospect out of the state of Texas. LSU has had a lot of success recruiting offensive linemen out of the state of Texas. Now, he's not an elite, elite guy, but he is a top 10 offensive tackle on pretty much every service you're going to find. Um, very interesting stuff. So he's a four-star, really solid player. And you take a look at what LSU has in their offensive line class right now. They very well could use another offensive tackle. Now, I think they are happy with what they have at this point with Ethan Calloway. Obviously, Kari Lee, who's one of my favorite players in the 2024 crop. And then, of course, you have Ori Williams, uh, who was probably my favorite film study because he did he did play some quarterback. Make sure you check that out. But um, right now, Texas A&M looks like they are in the lead. Makes a lot of sense. They're in the state of Texas. A&M's done a really good job recruiting offensive line. But I feel as if LSU does have a shot. And I think, obviously, LSU wants to get another four-star or better offensive lineman in this crop. Okay? So, take that for what it's worth. All right? Um so there you go. Let's go to Hazard EGG. This is so weird that I'm not able to see how many people are watching. Uh, so I, I'm, I'll give it a best guess. I would say sixty. I don't know. Huh? 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 Please like and share this. If you're on Facebook, share it in all your Facebook groups. Obviously, I want to be over well over 100 on every live stream uh, that we do. 77. There you go. Undersold myself. Uh, there we go. Oh, 72. There you go. Uh, I want to get I want to get to what I feel is the next big thing for LSU as we move forward into this next season. All right. Obviously, he talked some recruiting, talked some current team stuff. I want to spend more time on this LSU wide receiver room. All right. So as many of you know, um, especially if you're a patron, you get access to all this stuff on Patreon. We've been doing some behind the scenes film studies of, of 
of practice clips. And I highly recommend you sign up. Everybody that signs up gets a Joe Burrow card and you're helping yours truly as I've had some major uh, purchases I've had to make uh, for my career lately. So uh, I appreciate all you guys that support me. It goes a long way. But, you know, for me, I I, I look at all these players and I give my best guess as to who I want uh, or who I think ends up being the best players at LSU. And I will say out of all the wide receivers, just based on their high school grades alone, okay? So just looking at their high school tape. And once again, this is my uh, view of how they are coming out of high school. It doesn't mean a thing, right? Because it all comes down to how hard you work, do you translate to the college game, and so on and so on. Shelton Sampson had the highest high school grade out of any of the wide receivers that are currently on LSU's team, okay? Um, now, that doesn't mean he's the best. Malik Neighbors is by far the best receiver on this team. But, you know, I do think that counts for something. For me, Shelton is the real deal. I really like him a lot. Now, there's obviously all different types of opinions on what his specific 40-yard dash time was. Um, I know the Dynasty Devi fantasy football community, some of them felt that he didn't have the elite top-end speed. And for me, that doesn't really matter. I sometimes think elite, elite top-end speed when it comes to wide receivers is overrated. Um, so that's that's just how I feel. It's fine. Okay. Um, I I just think Shelton's a a really well-rounded hands catcher, very detailed route runner for somebody his age. Now, is he a finished product? No. Is he the best wide receiver prospect I've seen come into LSU? Probably not. Okay, but he is very good, and I just think his talent is so undeniable that you have got to play him. Now, where does that actually come into play? I think one of the biggest struggles for the LSU team going into next season is finding out which wide receiver should actually play. It's tough. It's honestly tough because you can make an argument for so many different wide receivers on this team to play next season. Okay. And you can make a strong argument for Chris Hilton to get more playing time. LSU's put him in front of the media a bunch, and he does have elite traits, most notably elite speed. He does give LSU some verticality, and obviously Jaden wasn't really a vertical thrower. Now that Jaden is a better vertical thrower, um, does that increase the playing time for somebody like Chris Hilton? We'll see. Um Obviously, all the other true freshman wide receivers uh, that came in, Kyron Lacey, Aaron Anderson, also in that mix. And then, of course, Landon Ibietta, who is a big-time wild card, who also has really good wheels. But for me, I, I feel Shelton Sampson is that guy. And of the true freshman wide receivers, I also feel Kyle Parker has a very bright future for LSU in the future, even though he muffed a punt recently at practice. Um, I, I just think the world of Sheldon Sampson 
And I just think he is going to be so good that we are going to play him year one. That's just, you know, my vantage point. The issue I run into is where and how. Obviously, LSU wants to use more tight ends going into this next season, but how much capital they spent uh, and time spent recruiting more tight ends to join the fray. I do think we could see a world where LSU runs more 12 personnel, and there's going to be times where they're going to want Kamarion Pimpton to get on the field because of his traits. But I, I truly do believe in Shelton's talent. I really do. And I understand camp for him hasn't been the smoothest sailing up to this point, but based on the media reports and based on boots on the ground, Shelton looks like he has some him in him. So I am really freaking excited to see what he is going to do this next season. And I kind of wanted to dedicate this whole live stream, like the beginning portion of this live stream to him and what he could potentially do for this team next year. So obviously still some growth to be done. Obviously not everybody is a true freshman sensation. And look, there are some seasons where true freshman wide receivers have a clear path to playing time. Just a few years ago, we have multiple true freshman wide receivers being big time target earners, right? The Jack Bash, Brian Thomas Jr., Malik Neighbors, true freshman season. So we'll see what happens there. Let me know what you guys think. Do you think, let me know in the chat right now, do you think I'm overhyping him? Do, do you think I am overhyping Shelton Sampson? Type Y for yes, type N for no. Okay. Now, Taking a look at the poll question, are you attending the Florida State game? 83% of you right now say no. That is very shocking. Uh, actually, not really. I think that's actually a, a, a number that seems to make some kind of sense. Okay. Um, I knew I forgot to put something up here. Let me put a pin message up here. Okay. It says I am overhyping him. Maybe so. But he did have a year one grade for me. He did. He did. Ante, good to see you. Landon wants to talk some Mason Taylor. Okay. Arthur says I'm firmly on the fence. There we go. Now. Don't forget, if we hit a hundo tonight, we're giving out Paul Skeens. Let's go to Marcus. Thank you for the super chat. Anything you want to talk about, we'll go straight to it. Let's go to Jared's super chat. Same thing for you. I love it, man. I freaking love it. Let's go. Now, Dr. Morgan, good to see you tonight. Danny and Jared meeting up. Okay. I do have a PHLer in Orlando working on something. Um, day of the game. Working on something. Now, next thing. I do want to chat right now about expectation, but we go to Blanche. Thank you so much. Uh, 
Carter, I know you've touched on this, but Texas eight and four schedule looks really nice. They get Bama at the end of a back to back and a thin LSU at the end of the season. Yeah, I truly do believe in Texas AM this year. I'm not joking. I, I really do believe in him. Now, the big question is will Jimbo Boomer Fisher get out of Bobby Petrino's way? Another boomer, right? The truth is, Bob Petrino is who should be calling the plays. And Jimbo needs to get the H-E double hockey sticks out of the way. I also felt Jimbo, once again, this is a little speculative. I don't follow texting him every single day. I do feel Jimbo kind of got in the way of the defense as well, right? Um If he just took the Ed Orgeron route, this team would be so much better than how a lot of people feel about them going into the season. Now, I don't love their quarterback room. I think both of the quarterbacks they have are just good. I don't see a whole lot of upside there. But the good news is if you have a lot of talent like Texas a does, especially a wide receiver, especially on the defensive line, you should be good. You you should be good. So I truly do believe A&M has a really good shot. Now, A&M is actually one of my favorite overplays, right? I, uh, just to put this up here again, okay. A&M right now sitting at seven and a half, very heavily juiced to the over. I I like the over there. I think I think they're an eight and four team. I really do. Uh, they do get some good breaks on the schedule. If they survive Miami in week two. Uh, they very well could start three and zero, oh, but uh, I do think the floor could fall out of this team as well. I do. I, I do. And that's good news for us. That's really good news for us. Now, to Blanche's point here, I don't see them beating us. Why? Because Jimbo has always sucked in Baton Rouge. In fact, you can't really point to a time where Texas A&M played well at all in Baton Rouge. Two years ago, they were playing our worst team. And we, quite frankly, outplayed them in that game. Then... Um, you know, 2019 LSU, as good as they were, Texas A&M's offense averaged 2.8 yards per play. 2.8. Okay, it's one thing if you're in like a 9-3 to three defensive shootout, but LSU took the foot off the gas, and Jimbo still couldn't get anything going offensively. Then, obviously, 2017, they looked horrible. In that game, Darius Geis ran all over him. This has been a team that has perpetually played awful football in our building. And Jimbo is a horrible road coach. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. So I, I think AM could fall off a cliff as well. But I agree with you, Blanche. You look at their schedule, you look at their talent. Their blue chip ratio is equivalent to that of Georgia. So based just on raw high school recruiting, uh, 
their talent level is equivalent to Georgia. Now, it doesn't mean that they're as talented as Georgia, but still. Um, there's been a big debate. I won't get into this. There's been a big debate on Twitter of what actually means talent, what actually means ability. Whatever the case may be, I'm here to tell you that Texas A&M has a very good shot to be really, really good this season. So, there you go. I know, Jesse, I hate that being one of my favorite plays going into next season, but that's where I am. Okay. Samuel, what's good, man? Follow me on Instagram, man. I do not have good Instagram game. I don't. I don't. Samuel. I think I followed you back, too. You go, Samuel. Obviously, it's Samuel. Samuel. That was really cool. Let's go to Mr. G. Where is your merch link? Well, there you go. I'm supposed to actually do this every 30 minutes into a live stream. So there you go. Look at you doing my job better than me. And this isn't even a job. It is, but it isn't. By the way, shoppowerhourlsu.com. As of right now, I've made enough merch to cover the domain fees of this website. So now I need you guys to order more merch so I can actually make some money. Huh? 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 PowerHourLSU.com is a good place to go. You get four t-shirts tonight. I'm sending you a Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase card tonight. There you go, Mr. G. Get yourself four shirts, baby. PowerHourLSU.com. Got to get on them IG reels. Yeah, I know, but I don't have washboard abs. I have a gorgeous wife, but maybe that helps. Maybe I should just post Haley. Maybe I should just do that. I hope they go under. I do. I do. Okay. Now. Next thing. I know, Arthur. The funny thing, Jared, about the tumblers is I don't make hardly anything off those things. The, the, I, I'm thinking about taking them down. And I still have mine over there. Uh, they are nice, though. They're nice. I use this one because I know it can last me a full live stream. But during the day, I drink out of this one over here. I love it. I freaking love it. Now. Exiting. I truly do believe that this team has what it takes to go all the way. Now, there's going to be some things that need to get straightened out. But what I would say to that is, well, there's already some people on the team that is doing some of these leadership kinds of speeches. Okay. 
So I want to show you this one right here from Major Burns. And we'll get back into so, some more current team stuff. But here you go. Hey, my bad y'all today. I ain't I got all my character, and I know most of y'all look at me for a leader, so I can't be doing this for y'all, boy. Y'all can expect me to be 100, you hear me? No more talking. Only talk when, when, when my boy's going good or with some good going on. So I got real love for the game, and I got real love for y'all, and I just want y'all to know that. Hey, my bad y'all today. I ain't I got all my character, and I know most of y'all look at me for a leader, so I can't be doing this for y'all, boy. Y'all can expect me to be 100, you hear me? No more talking. Only talk when, when, when my boy's going good or with some good going on. So I got real love for the game, and I got real love for y'all, and I just want y'all to know that. Hey, my bad. Let's go. Let's go. At Card of the Powers of Enmo. Uh, Samuel, any topic you want to get to? Let's go. Now, Samuel, I don't know exactly what specifically he was referencing, but he was involved in the skirmishes. And I think that was him taking responsibility for that. Um, out of anybody on this team that I want... Oh, Samuel, thank you so much for uh, the Venmo. Samuel, any topic you want to get to, we'll go straight to it. Okay? Out of anybody on this team I want to win a national championship, it is Major Burns. All right? Here is a guy, okay? I want you to go through Major Burns' timeline as a college football player. All right? So, in the 2020 recruiting class, I won't get into this whole story, but he was not a part of it. We'll leave it at that. Even though he was a top 200 defensive back and he was committed, back then you were only allowed to bring in 25 signees and Eric Gilbert came in surprisingly, so there wasn't enough room. So he goes to Georgia. Imagine leaving LSU and Georgia being your fallback plan. Okay, so we're talking about two of the top five best programs. So he goes to Georgia and guess what? He wants to come back home to LSU. He comes back home to LSU, and guess what happens at Georgia? The year after you leave, they win back-to-back -back national championships. So all those guys you knew, they're celebrating, they're winning, they're celebrating, they're winning, they're celebrating, they're winning, and you didn't get to be a part of that. And all Major Burns has done is done the right thing, and all he has done has been perpetually hurt. Obviously, he doesn't want to be hurt, but he's been hurt. And I hate that for him. I hate that for him. Okay. Skipper, thank you for the super chat. I appreciate it. Any topic you want, we'll go straight to it. And we then go to Jacob. He is now one of the few safeties wearing a neck roll. Slade Roy talked about that earlier this week. It was hilarious. And he gets the single digit number. And Sammy wants to talk about Ashton Stamps. Let's do it. He's now mentoring all these DBs. So out of anybody that wants a national championship, if there's anybody you are rooting for, it is Major Burns. So 
So Sammy wants to talk about stamps. We say hi to Carvis holding it down in Orlando. Do we have a 1,000-yard running back and receiver this year and a tight end at 600 yards? I'll come back to some stat projections. I love a neck roll, though. By the way, a neck roll doesn't cancel out the single digit. It enhances it. So Sammy wants to talk about action stamps. Let's do it. Um, look, there is so much hype surrounding Ashton Stamps. And the truth is, every year, even on the best football teams, sometimes a true freshman plays not only because he is good, but because opportunity is there, right? Mason Taylor walked into the tight end starter's role Number one, he was a very good three-star to St. Thomas Aquinas. But number two, it was there for the taking, right? Cole Taylor was our top scholarship tight end, okay? And Cole struggled at LSU. So here's Ashton Stamps. You are now the number three corner, okay? You have J.K. Johnson get hurt. You have the Denver Harris situation. You got to beat out LaTerrence Welsh right now for the number three cornerback spot. I think Zy Alexander and Deuce Chestnut are going to be your starters. I think at this point, LaTerrence Welsh is going to have to play. Now, Ashton Stamps. Obviously, what he is known for, the most famous moment he has had in his career, were the reps he had against Justin Jefferson earlier this year. Year Now, Ashton Stamps is really well plugged in. He trains with DPT Enola. We've talked about them a lot. It's one of the premier individual talent trainers. They trained Devonta Smith. Uh, pretty sure he's plugged in with Leonard Fournette. He's trained a lot of the, uh, the, the best of the best. His name's Robbie Green, I believe. And he, um, he worked with Ashton Stamps and Ashton Stamps. One of the big things that was said about him in high school wasn't necessarily that he was good, but that he worked really hard. And that was emphasized recently by, obviously, uh, a, a a very uh, straightforward Matt House. Okay, He said that Ashton Stamps came to camp at three different portions trying to earn that LSU scholarship. Then uh, I was doing some extra research on Chris Hilton. Chris Hilton talked about a few plays that Ashton Stamps has made, not on camera, that has shocked him from not only a football standpoint, uh, but just an athleticism standpoint. Also something else. Where did Ashton Stamps play football? He played at Rummel, which has been a factory of football players that have outkicked their coverage that have outplayed their talent ability. Jamar Chase was an elite four-star. He ends up being one of the best college football players, one of the best college football wide receivers ever. Okay. Especially if you just focus on single season, take a look at obviously Craig Stelts, take a look at Christian Fulton. Okay. Now Fulton was a five-star recruit, but still he, he lived up to expectations. And then of course, obviously most recently Logan Diggs, so this isn't new, right, uh, from players from that high school. So there are a lot of boxes that have been checked with Ashton Stamps uh, that 
I, I, I feel as if he very well could be the most important true freshman on this team going into next season. Okay. And it's interesting, right? We are debating the battle for the number three wide receiver position a little bit earlier. Now for the number three corner role, not the nickel corner, but the number three outside corner, the backup. Well, it's interesting. I'll put it like that. All right, let's go to Samuel. Kind of interested about this story. Uh, you can share it here or you can send it to me on Instagram. The playoff game I played against Jamar is the reason why he missed his freshman year. I'm interested. Tell me the story on Instagram. I feel like there's a story to be told here. Uh, let's go to Carvis. I'm excited to see our boys compete this year. I believe they are becoming closer. Do Ellis, does LSU have a 1,000-yard running back and receiver this year, a tight end of 600 yards? I think Malik is is pretty locked in at 1,000. Um, you know, one thing about Malik neighbors is when it comes to contested catches, he is as good as anybody I've ever seen at LSU. I really do mean that when it comes to contested catches. Now, the contested catch Mount Rushmore, uh, obviously Jarvis Landry's got to be on that list, but Malik Neighbors made so many difficult grabs with people all over him. And one thing to keep in mind is, you know, Jaden is a guy who likes to see someone open before he throws it, right? So, that makes it that much harder to make some of the catches he had to make, make last year. Now, I think it's going to be even easier on Malik because I think Jaden's going to let it rip even sooner. And I think there's room for Malik to even grow from what he did last year, as crazy as that sounds. Um, but at the same time, do we see more coverage drawn to Malik? And that's why I think, all right, one of – the more underrated LSU lineups I think we can see next year is a lineup with Shelton Sampson on the outside, BTJ on the outside, and Malik Neighbors in the slot. I think that's something you could potentially see uh, next year because I think Malik is an assassin in the slot. And I know that's not necessarily his best role, but I like my slot receiver to have really good chemistry with my quarterback because college quarterbacks have a tendency to be over the middle adverse more so than in the NFL. And I think Jaden's trust in Malik really makes things easier in the slot. I also think Aaron Anderson's going to play the slot a lot. I think Kyron is as well. I think Kyron also being a good outside receiver is going to help out. But, you know, I, I just think Malik's going to eat uh, if you put him there, right? Oh, that's crazy, Samuel. Tell, tell me more. I want to. I want to. I want to learn. I, I love stories like that, right? Obviously, I'm a big Jamar Chase guy. Okay, but uh, let let me go back to the final portion of this from Carvis. I don't think LSU is going to have really anybody come close to a thousand yards um, as a running back, and that's a good thing, right? There's just so many good backs on LSU's roster that I think it's going to. I think the carries are just going to even themselves out, right? Something to keep in mind. Um, 
you know, according to SEC StatCats metrics, Noah Kane had one of the highest success rates of all the SEC running backs last year. That's pretty impressive. I did not expect that to be true. Now, are those numbers inflated just a little bit because he didn't have like the volume of, let's say, a Quinshawn Judkins or Josh Williams? Sure, sure, sure. But Noah Kane was pretty efficient when he actually got carries last year. And I don't feel like we've talked enough about him, right? This is a Baton Rouge running back who is in the same recruiting class as Sean Emery. I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. He was a member of the 2019 recruiting class. So uh, I, I it's, it's, it's very, very, very interesting. Now, God, this live stream has been so much fun. I, I really do feel like I'm catching my groove, y'all. I always feel pretty good on live streams. I always feel pretty comfortable. But y'all, I'm so freaking hyped up. Like, I'm so freaking hyped up. Not necessarily for the season, but for the freaking channel. In my soul right now, I got a major blessing this week. And I feel like this season is going to be so massive for all of us. And I really do appreciate it. And I hate that I did not have the funds to make the Orlando trip happen. Um, maybe something happens. I don't know. It is a decent, doable drive for me. Maybe, but it's not really, but who cares? Huh? 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 Uh, but yeah, I, I, I just think the running back room is going to split amongst themselves. But here's the thing. If one of them is so much more special than the others, then that obviously changes things, right? It really, really, really does. All right. Now, next thing. I do want to share one quick SEC story with you guys tonight. One quick one. All right. Peyton Thorne was named the starting quarterback at Auburn. Okay. So, what does that mean exactly? Well, LSU won't have to play Robbie Ashford. And last year, as sad as it sounds, Robbie Ashford lit us up. Right, he we they he averaged six point three yards per play. Um, I prefer Peyton Thorne to be the guy, right? Because he is not the same dual threat ability that Robbie Ashford is, and Robbie obviously had that big turnover versus us last year to really get us going. But honestly, um, you take a look at the schedule. Obviously, depends on who Alabama actually plays. At this point, LSU only has to play two quarterbacks who I consider to be elite runners on this schedule. Okay, obviously Jordan Travis in week one and Arkansas in week four. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not dual threat quarterbacks on here. Jackson Dart can run at Ole Miss. Brady Cook can run at Missouri Obviously, Texas A&M, Max and Connor Wigman has some juice to their legs, but not a lot. So very interesting stuff, Peyton Thorne being the guy. I, I'm not and, – and, yeah, obviously it depends on if Milrose a guy at Alabama. I'm not so sure. I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know. Oh, look at this. Here we go. We've got our uh, we've got our Jamar Chase Joe Burrow winner. Big congrats to Mark G. Hooking it up with a nice merch order for the whole family. I really appreciate that, Mark G. Congratulations, Mark G. Um, identify yourself in the chat if you can, but I actually do. Yeah, I do have your address. Hey, I'm Mark G. I like it. Um, do you want me to give your address out so everybody can show up and congratulate you tomorrow? I could do that, Mark G. Mark G. Okay. Y'all want to know his address so y'all can go to his house tomorrow and tell him con congratulations on the um, the Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase cards? Um, type Y for yes if you want to know. Actually, I already know you guys want to do this. So, Mark G., lives at one two three abc street in anchorage alaska once again okay we don't we don't we don't ship out of the united states of america we do ship to anchorage okay so tomorrow please make the trip to one two three ABC Street in Anchorage, Alaska. Let Mark know how much you appreciate what he did. Okay. Mr. G, that's you. Good to see you, man. Congratulations. So I do have your real address, and I will happily send you the Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow card tomorrow. Thank you so much, man. Mr. G said, don't show up to, to, to Anchorage. The glaciers are melting. The polar bears are uh, the polar bears are out of Coca Cola. They they're they're fired up. So, Mister G, you get to pick the next topic around and hit. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Or how about I do this? Okay, how about I do this instead of the Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase card? Let's actually step it up for Mark G. Y'all, I got a big card for Mark G right here. Okay, let's do this. All right. The next topic I want to get into is some LSU recruiting stuff because my dear friend Preston Guy did interview Dominic McKinley. And I do want to share something from the interview that was brought up in the Patreon. Um, we are going to do the family guy meme. All right. Mark G, I have an autograph card right here in my hand. Okay. You have got to make a choice. Do you take the Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase card? They're not autographed. Or would you prefer this autograph card right here? Okay. Let me know. It's a mystery situation. You can either have the Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase card, or I will send you this rare autograph card of a five-star LSU recruit. I'll put it that way. So, uh, Mr. G, let me know. You get to choose. Do you take the Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase card, or do you take the rare autograph? 
Next thing about recruiting. All right. I think the Dominic McKinley interview was fine. Okay. They honestly, uh, you know, you would have liked to have heard him say, I'm picking LSU. Obviously, he is such a major piece of what we are going to do next year in recruiting. Now, could LSU find a way to get Dominic McKinley to be a part of this class? Absolutely. is a five-star defensive tackle. And Preston did provide data that shows that five stars at LSU go to the NFL at an extremely high rate. Okay. And you take a look at most of the five stars at LSU that didn't make it. Okay. Are the, uh, are, are, are players that, um, uh, that, that didn't, that didn't get it done off the field. Right. So I understood that, and I think Preston made all the options look pretty good for Dominic McKinley, which is what you should do in the interview, right? If you're having a guest on there that is seriously considering all the schools, obviously you got to do your due diligence. So he brought up playing for Larry Johnson at Ohio State, and Ohio State's had a lot of defensive linemen. Obviously, Georgia's had a lot of defensive linemen under Trey Scott, who's been the most successful defensive line coach in the SEC. In recent years, and then of course, all the other options: Texas, Bo Davis. Obviously, those schools have very accomplished defensive line coaches. One thing I would say is McKinley did bring up in the interview that the Jimmy Lindsay situation isn't a be-all, end-all for him. Obviously, it's a very serious situation. We hope Jimmy Lindsay gets his health back to where. We need him to be. I want Jimmy Lindsay to live his dream and um, be a defensive line coach at a top five university that produces a lot of really good defensive linemen. Obviously, if you're an LSU fan, it's still so long until he actually commits. I say so long. It's only a few weeks, actually. Um, I wouldn't sweat it. I really wouldn't. I do think, though, that this is the biggest commitment out there for LSU this entire class. It just is. Like, I, I understand um, that's a lot. Thank you so much, Clifton, for the Super Chat. You get to pick the next topic. Go right on ahead. Um, I, I totally get it. I totally get being nervous. I totally get being in a spot where – you want LSU to land all their in-state five-star guys. But I got to be real with you, okay? This would be a devastating loss for LSU if they weren't to land him. There's a lot of work to be done. We're obviously at a disadvantage here for a lot of different reasons, but the big advantage is we have the state of Louisiana locked down. Now. This will be the last that I will talk about what I'm going to say next about recruiting. And I mean, this will be the last unless somebody actually commits. But 
the 2026 crop. So these are the rising sophomores. Okay. Louisiana had an obscene amount of 2026 recruits in the top 50. Top 50 for 2026. And even more in the top 100. That is the last I'll say about that. That is just too early for me to talk about recruiting. But if one commits, obviously I'm going to talk about it. Um, 2025 and 2026 is going to be really legendary. Our 2024s, you know, it's not going to be more than likely our best, best, best class. But, God, there are some good players I like. Obviously, Singleton is one of those guys that I'm a little bit higher on than consensus up to this point. Uh, But it's interesting. I did peek at that. The 2026 is, 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 is going to be wild. It's going to be wild. Okay? AP, good to see you. Jesse wants to talk some Caleb Jackson. Cliff, whichever topic you want to bring up, we'll go straight to it. We are over 100 viewers. I can now see the amount of people it changed whenever I actually put a pinned comment up. Okay. We could see Zach in here as well. Lingua was not in the team photo. Need the inside scoop. Uh, okay. I won't say, I won't say too much other than he has been really hurt throughout his, his LSU career. Really hurt. Um, lots of bad luck for a kid that is so freaking explosive. Um, it's insane how explosive he was coming out. He's had so many lower body injuries though, that you do worry that some of that is gone, but he works hard. Now, I will say, I don't feel like I'm the best to answer that question because, number one, we'll see what happens uh, with his role on this team next year if there is one. Um, the second is, well... I'm from New Roads, so I, <laughs> I, I'm always going to cheer for Point Capi Parish. That's just who I am. Okay, so I'm very biased towards him <laughs> because, you know, if you're from a small town, and I say I'm from New Roads, my mother's side of my family is New Roads. So, like, if you're hearing me talk about Patrick Queen, I always, you know, he's been on our channel before, but I always pump up Patrick Queen, I do. Let's go to Cliff. Over under 25% Dimbrock uses 12 personnel. Over under 25%. Okay, so it's a very good question. Uh, I don't have the personnel groupings percentages in front of me. What I will tell you is this, and I'm glad you brought this up. Okay, just to make sure we are all on the same page, when Clifton uses 12 personnel, I feel like out of all the advanced football jargon, I think personnel groupings is something that everybody should know what it means. Okay. 
So the first number in the personnel grouping is how many running backs are on the field. The second number is how many wide receivers are on the field. Then you subtract that number by five, and that's going to tell you how many wide receivers are going to be on the field. So if you're an 11 personnel, that means you have one running back, one tight end. You subtract that from five, and you have three wide receivers. So 11 personnel is by far the most used personnel grouping in all of, fall, in all of college football and above football, right? But 12 personnel is something that Georgia has done, and it's honestly revolutionized our offense. Now, 12 is really hard to run because it's easier to find wide receivers than it is tight ends, okay? It's just how it is. 25 is a high number, but I do think it will be higher than what it was last year. I think I I could see, obviously, especially if I'm excluding like goal line situations, which obviously changes a lot. Um, I, I do think, I really, really, really do think that LSU is going to run more 12. Now, I think we'll see a lot of Mason Taylor and Kamarion Pimpton on the field at the same time. The issue for me, and we did a Patreon breakdown of this. Check it out. We've already done a Kamarion Pimpton practice breakdown. Exclusive on Patreon. Everybody that signs up for Patreon, you get a Joe Burrow card in the mail. Okay? Is Kamarion Pimpton ready to block at a Power 5 Division 1 level? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not because most tight ends aren't ready to block. It's hard. Blocking is really hard. It's you know, it's just you he never blocked in high school. He didn't need to. You don't want him blocking, right? If he's such a good receiver, you want him to be on the outside, but when you obviously um uh you obviously, you know, get the college uh get to the college game, it's really hard. Now, uh, I do think they'll run more 12. Now, before we get to Cliff's follow-up super chat, Mr. G says he wants the autograph card over the Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase card. Okay. Now, one final thing on the 12 personnel. Okay, before I get this autograph card ready to go. Okay. Mac Markway is going to play a lot. And I would guess out of the true freshman tight ends, Markway is probably going to play the most. I, I really do believe it. Now, Mr. G has foregone the Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase card. And he is going to take the mystery autograph card. All right? So, once I show you this card, I need everybody in the chat... Type Y for yes, type N for no. Did Mr. G make the right decision to give up the Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase card? All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Congratulations, Mr. G. You've gotten a super rare autograph from former LSU five-star Clifton Garrett. Congratulations, Mr. G. 
You have traded Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase for a real GOAT's autograph. Okay? And look at that. He signed it right up the middle, too. Look at that. Beautiful green ink. Did Mr. G make the right decision? Trading a Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase card for Clifton freaking Garrett. Joe and Jamar were not five-star recruits, Mr. G. So congratulations. <laughs> Round of applause for Mr. G making the right call. Now, y'all are lunatics. Lunatics to think that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have anything to do with Clifton Garrett. Tell him, Jared. Hey, tell him he made the right decision. Yes. Oh, huh? 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 I love it. So, Mr. G, let me know. Did you make the right decision? I think you did, if you're going to ask me. Huh? 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 Oh, man. Congrats. Congrats to you. Dang, man. Legendary. Or I could trade this for a Trevante Valentine autograph. Look at that creative signature. TV. Trevante Valentine. Dang, Mr. G. Up the upgrade of the century. <laughs> the upgrade of the century. Oh, man. Uh, man. By the way, Mr. G, I'm kidding. I'm going to send you a Joe Burrow Jamar Chase card. That's cruel. That is so cruel. I couldn't imagine how deep his heart sank when uh, when he saw Clifton Garrett. Oh, man. You know you love LSU football. You know you love LSU football when you have a Clifton Garrett autograph card. Oh, man. Here's the thing, Mr. I'm going to leave it up to you. If you want... If you want Clifton Garrett's card over the Joe Burrow-Jamar Chase combo, because who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want that? Jesse, Jesse, you've won a lot of my Leonard Fournette collection. Now, here's a sign Mr. G's a good dude. Because there's a lot of people that would have freaked out on me for that. I would never do something as cruel as that. Now, um, you know, normally about an hour 15 in, we take a look at the rest of the SEC. We already talked about Peyton Thorne. Um, you know, for me, I, I, look at, I look at Arkansas, and I think for me, I like their over on the win total. 
Um, you know, I I look at Mississippi State. I like their under. Ole Miss, I'm kind of staying away from right now. Um, maybe that changes, and the, the QB situation uh, should be very interesting. But you guys let me know. I'm leaning over Vandy. I just hate that a lot of my picks are juiced in that direction, if that makes sense. Um, There's a piece of me that wants to take the over on Georgia. I don't know. I don't know. I do not know. My take on Colorado over, and it's over and under, it's at 3.5 now. Okay. And by the way, I, I do owe Cliff a follow-up to the Sage Ryan thing. Um, I think, you know, for me, uh, I just don't, I just don't think I, – I just don't think that that situation is um, – is good for Colorado at all. Obviously, they have Travis Hunter, who's probably a top 10 player in the sport. Shadur Sanders should be okay. I just think, you know, the rude awakening happens in the trenches. I just think that that's a position, you know, it's just simple math, right? If you process your entire roster, like 50 players transfer out and you're bringing in 30 new guys, it is so hard to build lines that way. <laughs> like it just is. So, you know, for me, I, 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 I lean right now with Colorado probably towards the over, but I do think they're going to be so heavily publicly bet on that you could potentially get a better number uh, than, than three and a half and then take that under. Uh, so there you go. Let's go to Cliff's super chat. If Sage Ryan isn't a vital piece of the defense this year, is he a bus? So bus is a strong word, right? He's done and said the right things. There's a lot of bus who don't do that and they could tear apart, you know, your team as a five star. Um, so bus bust is strong. Right, because he's made some plays for us in 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 some games to help us win them. Okay, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I do think for me, you you look you look at Sage. One thing I I will say is, let's just say the Texas A&M game where he got mossed a few times. At least he made the catches difficult, right? Moose Muhammad was just on one that night. I would be interested, Cliff, to see Sage as an outside corner. I do think that could be a good spot for him. Tackling isn't his best suit. Athleticism and speed is. But one thing I'd be interested in, and this kind of goes along with the Matthew Langlois thing, if explosiveness and athleticism is your best trait as a player, 
if you sustain a lower body injury and, and say just had those in the past, how much do you lose explosiveness wise? And sometimes that hurts, right? Um, you know, we saw it last year with Kayshawn, who's one of the most explosive LSU wide receivers we've seen. It's pretty clear that the injury, pun intended, hamstrung him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just think when I look at something like that, I try my best to not focus too, too, too much on the injuries because people heal in, in different ways. Uh, I, I, I gotta be real, man. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't call him a bust, but he would be below expectations. And you look historically at five-star DBs or top 50 DBs that LSU has brought in. There's not many that just did not give you elite production, right? The only one you could say in recent memory that wasn't just elite was Kevin Tolliver. And honestly, he played a lot as a true freshman and was 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 fine. He wasn't great, but he was fine. Um, but yeah, it has been a disappointing go up to this point. It just is. But I think he's a good guy. I think he works really hard. He says and does all the right things um, from, from what I've heard. And I think he feels that pressure because obviously his family has, you know, heavy ties with LSU. His cousins are, are really good LSU players. So, yeah, it's 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 very interesting. So I'm cheering for him. I would be interested to see how he looks at outside corner. And he did make a big play in the Florida State game to keep us in it last year. Stefan, I hope everything is good. Uh, do I think Prime is leaning too hard towards skill guys? No. A harsh reality, though, Stefan, uh, or Stefan, I keep forgetting, and I appreciate you're one of my most loyal viewers. Uh, folks, th there's not a whole lot of portal linemen, okay? Think of this in terms of just numbers, like kind of like we did with the personnel grouping, okay? The one thing about personnel grouping is it never tells you how many offensive linemen are on the field. Okay, there's always five, right? There's always going to be five on the field. Whereas with skill guys, you're never going to have more than five on the field. And you're never going to have more than four that play the same position. Okay, so it's just harder to build those numbers at a position like offensive line where you don't lead the field if you're a starter. Um, so. It's really hard. <laughs> like, that's why you, you should always, as an LSU fan, celebrate an offensive line recruit over a skill guy recruit. Unless your personal evaluation of that skill guy is a difference maker, LSU is never going to be short on skill guys. They just aren't. It's They never really have been uh, pretty much anywhere. There's all, and even in years that you thought there was going to be some of that, they've always exceeded that, right? Offensive line, that has not been the case. It is hard to just find those guys in the portal. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's tough.
also go to this, Rob, and I know it's an excuse, like injuries and all of that, but uh, when you play man coverage on every snap the first couple of years of your, your career, it makes it really hard to start learning how to play new schemes because you lost that year of development of understanding how to play zone. Uh, you, you lose a year of just the nuances because if you're playing two man under on every play, you're just chasing. You're not really even thinking. So, yeah. And yes, this is Sage Ryan's third year. He is in the same recruiting class as Mason. Okay. I'm going to add a super chat. Yeah. So, obviously, to go along with what we said earlier about Garrett and Espire, I I, th- I think Garrett's going to be really good. I do. I'm really high on Garrett. Um, Offense line is going to be even better. I still think that if if we can move Emory Jones to guard, where he is perfectly fit to play, and someone else can play the tackle opposite Will, whether that's Lance, he's obviously under the most pressure to fill that role. Uh, I th- I think I think that will obviously change things, you know with. Jaden, the offensive line isn't as important. It's still very important. But Jaden, obviously with this mobility, can get you out of a jam a lot easier. So, there you go. Now, here's what you're going to do. In the next 15 minutes. I'm going to answer as many questions as we possibly can. But if you super chat, we'll keep going all night. Keep going all night. Let's see. How far away are we from the Paul Skeens card? Okay. About 70 away from the Paul Skeens card. So if we get, get to 70... Giving this out. Okay. Actually, I, I want to give this out tonight. If we get 50 more in Super Chats, one of yours is winning a Paul Skeens card. Thoughts on DJ Chester already being trusted as a second center two weeks into camp. Very interesting. All right. Obviously really good. I think it's also creative for LSU because he's not the second string center. That would be Marlon Martinez. But we know Marlon could snap the football. So he doesn't really need the reps to snap. It's important to develop a third center, and that's exactly what LSU is doing now. Um, Obviously, Chester was mostly an offensive tackle. In high school, but they did give him Lloyd Cushenberry's number 79. And I truly do believe he could be the starting center next year for LSU. I like DJ. Uh, but at this at this point, I think it's really good 
says a lot about him that he is getting those second team reps at center. But I do think the true backup center is Marlon Martinez. Okay. I do. Salt, what's up, man? Good to see you. Lots of beautiful people in here. Okay. We did get over 100 in here earlier today. I really do appreciate that. I want to get to 200 on every live stream. That's my goal by the end of this year. Automatically 200 YouTube viewers. I don't know what I need to do to get to that point. It's obviously a lot, uh, you know, during the season. Um you know, we, we were over 200 not too long ago. Uh, but that's where I want to get. I want to keep going. I want to keep pushing. We're close to 10,000 subscribers. Uh, so I want I want to I want to get to that level. Obviously, it takes a lot of work. I need to get better. I feel like I, I feel like there's still so much room for improvement for your boy. So, yeah, let's go to Casey. I do. I think that's – I mean, that's where I saw him. Um, I think he can obviously play SEC starting off at a tackle. But, man, if you move him to guard, watch the frick out. Watch the frick out. What's up, Ben? Maybe I, I, I think Jaden obviously has a higher floor than Garrett Nussmeyer. I think quarterbacks that are elite runners give your teams higher floors. Uh, but yeah, Garrett Nussmeyer's got a really high ceiling. I do, I do. Uh, but I would say for him and Jaden, I honestly do believe it's about equal. Uh, yeah, after the Alabama game, we had, I think, 600 people in here, which is just crazy. And I had to start, I think, an hour and a half after. What? How much longer after did we, Clifton, start the stream? It was absolutely freaking ridiculous. Florida State postgame was crazy. Absolutely crazy. Mm. Now, what happened in the national world of sports today? Not really a whole lot. Kind of a quiet day in sports.
blue chip ratio for 2019 LSU. I can pull that up. Thank you for the super chat a little bit earlier. Okay. All right, I can pull this up. Uh, LSU's blue chip ratio was 66 and their blue chip ratio is 71%. So essentially meaning two out of every three players on the team is a four-star recruit or better. Let's go to Ben. Over under 55 and a half points in the Florida State game. So I told you a while back to take uh, 51 and the over. It's already up to 55. Okay. Still like the over. I do. Uh, Now, I probably won't take it. I haven't actually... Uh, I haven't actually played one way or the other. It's actually up to 57 and a half now. It's absolutely crazy. It was down to 51 and a half. And yeah, that's crazy. Did it actually ever get down to 51? I thought I saw it 51. I might have just been wrong on that. I thought for sure I saw 51 and a half at some point. Dang, according to this, it's it never got below 55 and a half, which is crazy. So it's at 57 and a half. I might have just been seeing things. That's totally my fault on that, ladies and Gentiles. Uh, yeah, it's totally my fault. I'm guessing it never... I thought for sure I saw that at 51. No, that's my fault. It never it never was there. Hope he has fifty. Sammy, that's a good question. What's more important, blue chip or experience? It's actually a mixture of of both, right? Obviously, in order to win a national championship, you need to have a certain blue chip ratio. Uh, but experienced players do matter. They just do. I'll say this again. Even if 2019 LSU didn't have the offense that they had, and let's just say Joe Burrow got marginally better, and we still played like more of, you know, like a 2011 style. LSU still would have been minimum a 10-win team, minimum a 10-2 and two team that year. Um, the, 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 we played some really bad SEC teams that year, uh, but our team still would have been loaded, right? So experience does matter, but obviously so much of this has just changed with the portal. What's up, Shadow? Corey, good to see you. Richard, what's up? Holding it down on Facebook. 
What about corners? Can Chestnut and Alexander hold the fourth down? And who else can be groomed for depth emergencies? Obviously, talked a lot about Ashton Stamps tonight. I do think another player to keep an eye out for um, is uh, is Sage Ryan at outside corner. And then after that, obviously, Terrence Welsh is definitely going to be in that mix. Yeah, Casey, I swear I thought I saw it at 51, but that is my fault. That is totally my fault. I don't really start looking at – I know this is bad. You should look at lines right when they uh, uh, right when they open up. So, so, yeah. Should I get to see you, man? I wouldn't say always bet against the public. Normally, you don't want to be on that side. Ha, ha, ha. You don't. Who from LSU in the past 20 years would have gotten the most NIL if it was around? Um, obviously, Joe. Uh, he would have gotten so much money from how supernova of a star he would have become. Uh, yeah, I, honest, honestly, uh, honestly, the correct answer is Fournette. It's Fournette. Uh, but yeah, Joe Joe would have gotten so much just from you know being the starter for two years, being a winning starter for two years. But Fournette, I think obviously is the, is the correct answer here. He's from New Orleans, he he it just would have been him. He's he was that big of a star. He's that big of a star. Hey, bud, bring bring her in here. No, I want I want. Uh, they haven't seen her in a while. Sissy, huh? Huh? Ah, uh, my my dog goes crazy. I love it. Now. This was a fun live stream. I really do appreciate that. Obviously, it's a really good thing. It's 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 so much fun being on this LSU grind. I want to shout out our top super chatters of the night. Um, God, there's so many of you. Uh, Arthur, Marcus, Jared, Blanche, Carvis, AP. Also, shout out to our Venmo, Samuel, Skipper. The president of PHL, Clifton, and Mr. G, 
the Clifton Garrett winner. Congratulations. I kind of want to turn that into a little short. This was hilarious. All right, Samuel. Uh, they showed the Brooklyn Nets did the schedule release thing earlier, and they showed uh, someone walking on the beach, the Los Angeles Lakers logo. And they said, can you name this team? And she said, the LSU Tigers. If you want to see the clip, go to my Twitter account, at Power Hour LSU. We'll see you guys Sunday night. What a glorious live stream. I want to say thanks to each and every one of you. We're still growing this thing. It is. Pow. Out. LSU. Bam. And tonight we are doing, oh, slamming salmon. Let's get so, baby. Let's go.